Do you have an album that you just finished? Do you feel like it's the perfect synthesizer or modular album other than the mix? Are you just fighting it in your cans, on your studio monitors? Is it your DAW? What's going on? Well, I tell you what, you don't need to take up all of your creative energy trying to figure this out when there are people out there that can do it for you. I'm talking about Hugo R.A. Paris at Tiny Crush Mixing. His work is custom tailored to synthesists and modular synthesis. He works on recommendations from Nathan Moody. So what does that tell you? <laughs> I'm looking at his background here and it's, it's like, it's almost unbelievable. So let's just start with an academic background where he focused on acoustic and signal processing. That work led him to uh, work with MIT, Caltech, Stanford University. Uh, he has three of his own albums out. Uh, one is on Beacon Sound, the record label. Uh, so he's label mates with Terry Riley and Amulets and many others. Also has some music out on Jack Tone Records. His albums have received positive attention from the press and have been reviewed by outlets such as Accelerator, Fact Magazine, and Resident Advisor. Like those are the three. For electronic music. Um, oh yeah, he also conceived and developed the spherical wavetable navigator, the flagship Eurorack module over at 4MS. So you're in good hands. His state-of-the-art studio provides the ideal listening configuration for your work. He also will do remote mix breakdowns with you if you're interested in learning you know, what he's doing and maybe how to do it for yourself in the future. The turnaround time is quick and he offers add-ons such as reamping and analog summing. Openings start now. So you're sitting on that album and you want it to sound as good as it possibly can, then head over to tinycrushmixing.com and get a hold of Hugo. Hello and welcome back. To Podular Modcast. My name is Tim Held, and this week Tony Rolando from Make Noise returns to the show. I'm very excited about that. And as I'm sure you're well aware of by now, Make Noise has announced Strega, their latest crazy creation that they made uh, with Alessandro Cortini of Nine Inch Nails fame. It's the same format or form factor as uh, the No Coast, but as you will see, or maybe you've already seen, it is quite different. Um, I'm going to do a demo of it at the end of the chat, so you're going to get a full dose of Strega. Before we get into that, there's a few things I want to cover. First up, I just want to say that that theme song that you just heard was made by my buddy Greg Markle over at Recovery Effects, a.k.a. The Animals at Night. Um, and this track that you hear right now is also by The Animals at Night. It's on the new Future Colors EP. So there's a link in the show description to that. Really, really good music. And I'm just going to uh, take care of some business while we listen to this track called Flight Control by The Animals at Night. Um, first up, I'm going to be doing uh, performances for two different live streams this week um, on each coast, actually. So February 4th, Thursday, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I will be doing a performance for the New York Modular Society, and there's definitely going to be some Strega involved in that. And then two days later, 
I will be doing um, Modular Nights here in Seattle, February 6th, 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Um, and there will also be some strega in that. I'm also going to be showcasing the, uh, the Cursible from Sacrament Modular. Uh, a little bit there so um yeah please join us link links in the show description of course um yeah come hang out in the chat that'll be really fun i want to take a moment to thank patchworks our lovely local scent shop here in seattle that's p-a-t-c-h-w-e-r-k-s.com if you want to visit their web store you can browse uh everything that they that they have from make noise to forum mess to after later audio recovery effects they got schlappy engineering over there um you know, mutable instruments. They started carrying Instro and WMD recently. I mean, they've got it all. Um, that's P-A-T-C-H-W-E-R-K-S.com. Also want to say thank you to Needham Woodworks, the finest Eurorack cases in all the land. Please visit them at NeedhamWoodworks.com to see uh, these amazing pieces of furniture. Really quick, I want to say thank you to everybody who supports me on Patreon. Um, and thank you to everybody who's signed up recently. Just since the last episode, a handful of you guys have jumped on board. So thank you so much for that. It, it really it, it means a lot. It helps a lot. My goal is to get 200 patrons in the year of 2021. Can we do it? I don't know. It's up to you guys. Um, but yeah. If you would like to help keep the LEDs blinking over here at Podmod, please visit patreon.com forward slash Podular Modcast. All right. We're getting very close to our chat with Tony, but, you know, I just, I just got to say that the last few weeks, month or so, has just been so amazing gear-wise. I mean, with Strega, of course, I'm having so much fun with Strega. The new Cursible I just started playing with yesterday and blowing my mind and of course the Benjolin v2 from after later audio has been just like a real revelation to me and in fact i can't not wait to pair it with strega because i think they're both wild and really f- um they're not similar at all as machines but i feel like they're they're similar in how wild they are um and this new Benjolin v2 i really love because it has uh it, it, it can support the Turing machine expander, so you can get a, a, an additional um, random voltage output and a random uh, gate output, a bunch of random gates, actually. Um, so yeah, it's just it's a whole lot of fun. It's a good control forge for your system, so please go check those out at afterlater.com, afterlateraudio.com, um, and I'm working on, um, I'm trying to put together a pretty comprehensive demo video um, based off of Rob Hordyke's notes. Uh, that he and Lenny, that he's given to Lenny of after later. So, yeah, I'm 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 getting getting a lot of questions about it. So that video should be coming up, um, hopefully soon. So yeah, we're gonna get into this chat with Tony. It was so good to chat with him again. I love having repeat guests on. Um, you can hit the ground running from where you last left off. Tony's such a, a sweet, genuine person. Effortless conversation flew by. I think you're really going to enjoy it. So, yeah, once again, thank you, Tony, for coming on the show. We're going to get into that chat. But first, let's uh, let's talk about the Cursible from Sacrament Modular for a minute. If you're not familiar, the Cursible is uh, a new module from a new modular company called Sacrament Modular. And what is it exactly? Well, it's a 14 HP 6-channel morphing effects send matrix. Did you catch all that? So I'm going to try and succinctly describe to you what's happening right now. I've got this simple sample coming out of the, the STS going into the Cursible, and then I'm running six send and returns 
through the crucible. So I'm sending this this uh, this very simple synth line into the recovery effects cutting room floor. So that's kind of like that distorted war warbly delay that you hear. And then the instro from Arbar. So you're gonna you know that's gonna be the smeared really weird um, kind of granular thing. And then I've got a simple um, reverb coming out of monsoon. And then I've also sent it into the Popple filter from After Later Audio. And then in the Afterneath um, from Earthquaker Devices and the Expert Sleepers Disting Mark IV for delay. Um, I'm using the Percussion Interface Expander from 4MS. So I'm, I'm, I'm sending the audio of the, uh, the sample into that, which is then creating a gate which is going into the Cursible, so it's in clock mode. And now, every time that gate hits, it randomly selects which one of those sends and returns to engage. Um, and I have it in random mode. It doesn't have to be in random. Um, and then I'm running the output, actually, the sum output, into a Chronoblob 2, from Cursible to Chronoblob 2, to give it some stereo delay on the end. So um, it's, it's kind of like the end-of-chain delay on top of all these crazy effects. Um, of course... You don't have to use random clock mode. There's a CV mode. There's a piano mode where you can play them. There's ADSR on how they, they, uh, the different channels or sins and returns come in and out. There's just so much functionality packed into this thing. It's, um, it's a lot of fun to use. And, of course, you don't have to use audio signals. You could use it as um, a crazy uh, CV. You could combine CV and audio. I mean, sky's really the limit with this. Um, one more thing I want to mention about this is it, it will not be put into production if you don't go buy it. It is a crowd-funded effort, so please go visit Sacrament Modular on their website, link in the show description, and buy one so this thing can actually exist. That's enough rambling for me. Let's get into our chat with Tony Rolando of Make Noise. But yeah, I'm really excited to uh, to chat with you again. It I didn't realize it, but it's been seven months since your first <laughs> appearance. I thought I it was. I it's didn't crazy. think it was that long it's ago. Crazy how how fast it all happened, and yet how slow it all has been happening. Right? I know it's been so weird. It's like it seems like a blink of an eye, but it also seems like it's always been this way. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, uh, for sure. how have the last seven months been treating you? Uh, they've been, you know, it's, I, I think it works best when I take it day to day. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, if I look at it overall, there's been a lot of good days. There've been a lot of bad days, but, um, mm -hmm. if you just take it day to day, I think it's the, the best way to do it. Yeah. I, I totally agree. Um, the weird thing about the day to day approach is when you're working from home, it becomes like a groundhog day where it's like, oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, even going into the shop to work, it's still kind of like that because yeah. it's, uh, it, it, I mean, nothing that dramatic happens. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, especially when you're not having any uh, visitors or not really, uh, until now, you weren't launching anything new. So it, even that is somewhat of a Groundhog's Day, yeah. <laughs> Groundhog's Day effect. Right. So, yeah, I think last time we, lit, we, we talked, you were kind of, it was, uh, you know, quarantine and everything was pretty fresh, and uh, you you guys were finding a way to make it work. Like, how how have you guys adapted as a company to all of this? And um, you know, like, how is it is it like Slack channels constantly, or do you have kind of like a quarantine pod of people who all go into the office? Or yeah, we did. We shut the office down for a few weeks, really early on when um, 
like many people, there was this idea, oh, this will pass after, you know, yeah. whatever, three, four weeks. Uh-huh. And then three week, weeks went by, we were able to keep the full staff uh, paid for that whole time, which they appreciated, of course. And then um, at a certain point, it became clear that it wasn't going to be quickly resolved. So we brought everyone uh, back in. And um, at that point, we did have a couple of people who we had uh, one newer hire who had moved back in with her parents. Mm -hmm. Um, And so she was back in D.C. Um, She moved back to D.C. Actually, I don't know if she moved back in with her folks or what, but anyhow, she had moved um, during that time period. So she didn't come back with us. And then we had another fellow who just... think he just didn't really feel very he was anxious about the whole thing and didn't feel Mm -hmm. comfortable coming back into the shop to work so Mm -hmm. he left us um and then we had a third person who we couldn't bring back right away but we were able to eventually bring back and so now we're back to a pretty decent staff we just brought one new person in to kind of help us through this uh strega launch Mm -hmm. and it feels a little bit more like an operating company but it is still a challenge. There's a lot, there's been a lot of more, there's been a lot more miscommunications just because we are running the office at sort of half capacity. So as an example, our tech support person and and rework, you know, the rework technician, uh, Devin comes in in the evenings Mm -hmm. and um, Walker, who does a lot of filming, he works in the evenings. Meanwhile, Pete works during the day. Uh, doing filming and then the production staff of course is there during the day so uh-huh. and then i'm only in when needed as with uh some of the other folks like kelly and rodent so you do have this thing where people aren't all in the same building and that's really hard to keep communication lines open when you have a bunch of people working towards the same goal but not necessarily seeing each other on a daily basis so we do do some zoom meetings but i've found zoom meetings are of a limited effectiveness a lot of it is just people kind of staring into a void waiting for the zoom meeting to end yeah it's it's uh, i pretty much only have experience with one-on-one zoom meetings from from doing this but the few multiple people things i've done have been a little i I could see how that could easily happen yeah they're icy icy to say the best i mean it, it, it best case scenario is everyone shows up and somebody has some sort of plan some sort of outline Right. That you right. can kind of go through and make announcements. Outside of that, it's pretty it's pretty tough, I think, to get a, a true sense of where people are at and to really share uh, enthusiasm and knowledge and ideas uh, through Zoom. So we have also done a little bit of, of uh, you know, the weather's not too bad here. So we've done some outdoor mm-hmm. uh, meetings and stuff, too, with crew. And um, also we all uh, mask up. And so we are in the shop now. You know, I was just in the shop earlier talking to Pete while he was working on some filming stuff for Strega. Okay. Um, so we're, we're 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 in there, but it's just it's still you know you got to have the mask on, and we're doing like a sort of like a fifty percent capacity kind of thing. Okay. Well, I'm happy to hear that you're finding a way to make it work best you can. Um, and how about personally? Have you been? Have you taken? I know you were so you're starting. You were kind of excited at the prospect of starting to make some more music and. Um, is, has that been a, a you know a, a therapeutic thing to kind of keep the the whole Groundhog Day thing at bay, or how how have you guys been? Honestly, that has been the therapeutic thing for me. Yeah, I have not made music 
probably it had been maybe 12 years, maybe even more, wow. well over a decade since I had recorded some music. Uh, I've made the odd patch here and there uh-huh. and Rodent had, <laughs> you, know, you know, Rodent had roped me into doing a few modular on the spots uh-huh. here and there. <laughs> um, but that's, that's a pretty different process than, you know, for me, um, creating music is, it's like a very layered process. And I've always, um, ever since I learned how to use a DAW back in the nineties, I mean, I remember recording to tape and then to ADATs with bands and stuff. And then mm-hmm. I remember when I learned how to use a DAW, it became this really fun process for me that I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And I kind of gave up on it for quite a while. And this last year I've really gotten back into recording music and it's been the therapeutic thing for me, for Very sure. Nice. So I've recorded a bunch of music. Um, I have a couple of releases coming out soon here in March uh, on uh, the Adventures imprint, which is operated by uh, Rob and Rose, um, you know, Rob Lowe of uh, Modular Synthesizer and Electronic Music fame. Uh-huh. Uh, he's That's uh, the label he runs with Rose. And um, so that's going to come out. And then I've got another... EP that I'm just finishing up that I'm about to send out to be mastered that awesome. I'm probably just going to launch on my that's own cool, man. Congrats. YouTube page that's, or something. That's great news. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be fun. It's just, it's, it is very therapeutic. It's just something to break the days up. Totally. Yeah. And give you something positive to focus on exactly. and creative. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm curious how much has your style or approach to making music changed with that 10, 12 year gap? Do you feel oh, like you so hit the ground much. running on the same stride or is it different? I feel like I, I take a totally different approach now. I think when I was younger, I was most active in my 20s making music. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I was really trying hard always to impress someone. <laughs> and <laughs> I think just because um, the way that I was brought up, um, I wasn't really brought up in a musical family. Mm-hmm. And it was... Uh, it wasn't that my family wasn't supportive of me playing music. I think it was just more that they thought if you're going to play music, you, you should get paid for it. You sh- it should be your job. Yeah, same so here. I, I was, totally get that. Yeah, and so I was always I was always trying to do that. I think um, mm-hmm. for better or worse, and mostly I guess for worse since it really didn't work <laughs> out for me. Um, and now I, I feel like I take more of a therapeutic approach. Each each. Uh, each track that I have finished feels like a, a journey, uh, you know, starting with some sort of spark. You know, there's some sort of spark, some sound or, or pattern. Something happens in the studio while I'm just riffing around and it captures my interest. And I just chase it for as long as I can until I basically fall asleep at night or something. And, <laughs> you know, usually because I'm starting in the evening. So like 1 a.m. will roll around and I'll think, oh, God, I got to go to bed. Um <laughs> That's when you know and you're just, in the zone, man. That's that's when yeah. you're really feeling it. And time passes, and yeah, mm-hmm. just chase that spark until it becomes a full full fledged fire, and um, make sure I hit record a lot, and then mm-hmm. mix it obsessively until I basically hate it, and then <laughs> hand it off to someone to master it. Uh, I also throw away a ton of stuff too. Yeah, so yeah. I would say more than sixty percent of what I've recorded, I've just thrown out. You know, it's funny. Uh, like I, I really resonated with the the thing you just said about. In your when your earlier days of making music, you were doing it to try to impress people, um, and I had a lot of that too. I was like, I just wanted 
I, I just wanted people to be like, wow, that's really great. And during that time, oddly enough, I didn't hardly throw anything out. If I made it, I'd spend enough time and I'd release it or show somebody. And now I'm less, I'm more about the kind of the approach of like, I just want to do this and make yeah. something that I like. I throw, yeah, 60% of stuff out as well now, which has been kind of a cool evolution to not be so precious about it all. Yeah, being precious about it. That's, uh, I would say, with anything artistic, uh, and even really with uh, the work that I do at Make Noise, you have mm-hmm. to always be ready to, you know, you look at something and you say, I, I know I spent a bunch of time and a bunch of money on this, uh, developing it, but it's just not something that's worth putting out there. That's got to be tough. Full of stuff like, it is yeah. tough, it is tough. But you know what's even tougher is living with... Uh, <laughs> Making crap, as yeah. Andrea Schneider would say, um, living with that and, and seeing people unhappy with something, I feel like that would be harder, honestly. Yeah. I could see that being much harder. Yeah. And, you know, your reputation's at stake and yeah, it's just, mm-hmm. it's not worth it. Um, and yeah, yeah, I, th- I think you said it. Um, well, I'm, I'm very happy to hear that you're making music. Do you think that, you know, I think it's going to be a slow trickle back into the normal world, back into what it was like before. Um, but do you think when you're, when it's kind of back in the swing of things that you'll make more time for music? I sure hope because I feel like it's enriched my life a lot. It's something that I missed, but didn't really have time to pursue. Mm-hmm. And um, I've always felt like a musician. Um, and, you know, really whether someone, I feel like most musicians feel like musicians, they wake <laughs> up in the morning and they have an urge to make some sort of sound and mm-hmm. capture it or share it with someone else. Um, but yeah, when you don't have the time to nurture that, it can, you know, the well can go dry and you just, and eventually you stop caring. You know, I yeah. think what would happen is I might hear something that I thought was cool. It could be anything. It could just be some I don't know, like the intro sounds in some old video or something. Uh-huh, like, oh, uh-huh. That's interesting. I wonder how they did that. And it became less about the musical element of it for me and more about the technological element because that was my job and that was my passion. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah, now I'm, I think making more time for it has opened that back up, which I do think will be helpful with the work I do for Make Noise as well. Definitely, um, yeah. It's like a feedback loop. You know, yeah, exactly, yeah. And I, I think I let that loop kind of... Uh, I think I left it unattended for a bit and it's now I'm back to, uh, to attending it. So I, I really hope I do. Of course, as, as you know, as you said, it, when it trickles back into normalcy, I mean, who knows? Uh, I mean, we're, it's going to be, it's just going to, it's, it's not anything that any of us could predict really. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I might just go ape shit and, 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 and <laughs> hop in the, in an RV and, and, and drive around for, for, uh, for 12 months. You know, it's funny you say that. (laughs) That's been like my mental vision board. Cause I was, I was right before quarantine. I was, I was going to actually go to like do a show at the call for Colorado music since or Colorado modular synth society was going to do a live podcast and, and performance in San Francisco. And I was even going to go up to, you know, Calgary and I, I, you know, had plans for this. And I was thinking like, Oh, this is like my dream to tour. And now I'm like, okay, when this is over, I want to, get some sort of van and go around all these cool cities, come out to you guys, go to all the modular hotspots and do in-person chats and play their modular on the spots or whatever. That's like, that's my dream Mm -hmm. right now. So I'm I'm glad you said that. 
um, maybe we'll cross paths at a at a loves or a pilot's uh, truck stop or something. <laughs> oh, loves. Yeah, yeah. I remember those well. Uh, they have that's the ones they have those weird showers that yeah. you can pay to take a shower. Yeah. <laughs> yep. No, I remember them well. <laughs> Well, it's funny you said also, uh, you know, you want to wake up and, and make make sounds, um, which is exactly what I did this morning with my Strega. Yeah. And it's been so much fun and kind of, I, I mean, not, not to the extent that you have, but I have had what I do daily impact how I approach music or my relationship with being a musician. Um, especially, you know, I get sent a lot of stuff, really cool stuff, and I love learning how to use it and doing demos of it. Um, but I find that I spend more time figuring something new out, which there's a creative element to that, but I'm also trying to do it justice by showing people what it can do, like functionality-wise. Mm-hmm. What, what was so exciting about Strega is it's instantly fun to play, and it's kind of like a mystery, even in the manual, it says right off the bat, you don't have to understand this right, you know, right now, just, just get going. And that's as far as I made it in the manual. I was like, okay, they want me to get to know this. And I've spent a little bit of time, you know, actually quite a bit of time playing around with it. And and every time I do, I start unlocking a new, a new box of it. Oh, this does that. And it's been really fun. Um, and I've been very much looking forward to chatting with you about it to get to know it even better because this thing seems like an infinite possibility machine. Um, but before we get into that, can we talk about kind of the development of it, how it came into sure. mind? How did, uh, how'd you get Mr. Cortini in on it? Yeah. So Alessandro and I have been friends for a little while and I've made some other things for him. I remember he had originally, the way we got to know him is he contacted us because he was out on the road with Nine Inch Nails and was having trouble with his music easel, which he was using on stage. Um, And when I say that, I think with these larger shows like that, it's not like he's playing the music easel on every song. There was certain cuts that he was using it on. And it would be brought out on stage, played, and then, you know, the next thing, because he's more of a multi-instrumentalist in that, in that group. And so they were having trouble with that. And he had, he had contacted us kind of out of the blue about getting a shared system to use on tour. Mm -hmm. And it was one of those things where he needed it yesterday. Uh And uh, (laughs) could we, could we ship it overnight to this, you know, random hotel in like Oklahoma or something somewhere, (laughs) you know, it was like a very strange. Mm -hmm. And so we rushed and we worked all day getting the modules built and built the system up and shipped it out to him. And it, performed well on the rest of the tour and then another tour after that. So he was very happy with it. And then he, he'd come to me and asked me to modify it so that there was these certain connections that would be made internally. So you wouldn't have to repatch it all the time. And that led me to develop the CV bus because um, I said, you know, why don't I make this idea that kind of where you could have these signals available to you and they'll be color coded and they'll be lighted so that you know where they are and, and, and um, your, your tech can patch it up as needed. And um, it'll, I, you know, I think it'll work good for you. And so we did that and that worked well for him. Uh, so we updated his shared system to have the CV bus. It works well and for me. So, Mine's sitting, I'm looking at it right now. It's just off camera and it's, it's ab- absolutely indisposable. So I, I can thank Alessandro for that. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that was him pushing for some way to distribute 
some of the signals that you use everywhere, these clock and gate and, and um, keyboard CV or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a different set of signals, but usually there's three or four signals that you really want to fan out Definitely. to multiple destinations. And mm-hmm. so we did that with him. And um, that was, again, that was just kind of off the cuff. It wasn't, there wasn't any sort of, of, uh, of firmed up like collaboration or endorsement deal or anything. It was just like, Hey, I can make this thing and it might make your system work better for you. And, and he, him saying, yeah, that's great. Yeah. This works good. So then there became this idea of, Hey, you know, maybe we should make an instrument together. And it started with a lot of just, he would be in New York city and I would be in New York city and we would just meet and spend an afternoon together, hanging out and chatting about things that we liked, things that we didn't like. And, um, you know, like any good artist, of course, Alessandro is, uh, a big, you know, big dreamer. Mm-hmm. So his thoughts of what the instrument should or could be were, were just <laughs> quite expansive. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> very expansive. Uh, and, and also, uh, another word that is, uh, uh, almost rhymes with expansive, uh, <laughs> quite expensive. Um, so, the, you know, these, this, he had these, 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 these big ideas. And, um, and so then we had to kind of start this process of, of, um, of, of whittling it down into something, you know, um, I can, maybe whittling isn't the correct word, uh, distilling it, I guess mm-hmm. it'd be the word I would use, trying to distill it into something that could be the essence of, of him and his sound and what he likes to do with music and make it something that was maybe a little more approachable and more affordable. So more people could enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not, you know, don't get me wrong. I mean, I've, I'm not opposed to synthesizers that cost a lot of money or, or synthesizers Uh that don't cost a lot of money, which is more one of the goals that we have both had with the instrument was, Hey, it'd be cool if this thing was somewhat affordable. Right. Um, Right. I'm curious, by the, sorry to interrupt, I'm mm-hmm. just, just for like timing context and stuff. When you guys started talking about this and having your meetings, was the no coast already a thing or? It wasn't, I don't okay. think, actually. Okay. I think this would have been just before that. Um, yeah, because it was years, honestly. I mean, it was years of just kind of hanging out and chatting and, uh-huh. and becoming better friends and, and really kind of, um, you know, li- I listened to a lot of his music. Um, you know, Make Noise Records put out um, a couple of his uh, pieces of music. Uh, one as a the seven inch in the original seven inch series, and then another in a twelve inch format. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think it was a little bit. It probably would have been a little bit before that even. So it's been a long time, honestly. And, okay. and you know, when we're thinking back like four or five years, it, we weren't thinking of something like what the Straga is that sits before you today. Like mm-hmm. I said, I mean there was there was so many different ideas kicked around. Um, and, you know, at any point we probably could have dropped everything we were doing and jumped into it and, you know, it could have turned out a different way. And you know, there's always multiple, uh, and I believe there's always multiple timelines that can happen on anything. <laughs> uh-huh. And uh, this this particular timeline that we jumped onto was the striker that sets before you now, okay. which meets this goal of being um, in the same form factor as the Zero Coast, which is something that he kind of came to, he came around to that later. Uh, so a couple of years ago, he came to Asheville and, and, and hung out for a few weeks with us while we, and he and I worked, I guess not just hanging out, we worked uh-huh. on coming up with a, a final idea that we could build. And one of the things he kept coming back to was, you know, the size and the, the form factor 
and you know the the connectivity and the, the price of the zero coast is awesome. I would love to incorporate those things into whatever it is that we do. So okay. that's so why it's in the same form place. factor. Yeah, it just made a lot of sense to him. He was like, you know, if we can fit something into that form factor, I think it will be really exciting for people. Yeah, definitely. And now yeah. with zero control, it's like you can have this little, you know, setup and it's that's I mean, I haven't messed with the zero control yet, but now that I have Strega, I'm like, I think I think those would be very nicely paired. Yeah, they work well. They work great together. In fact, to my right at my uh in my little studio here is is uh Strega Zero Coast Zero Control. And I use that a bunch actually. Okay. Very very uh, fast way of, of coming up with ideas. I've been getting into a bunch of microtonal stuff too, um, doing that with uh, Waldorf Quantum and the, um, I think one of those DSI instruments, Prophet 6, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, Zero Control plus Zero Coast and Straga is kind of, it's highly, highly useful in that environment too because, um, you can tune everything by ear to whatever it is that you've created on these other microtonal instruments. Okay. And it just, it really just fills in the, it fill, it goes in between the notes with it and it just works really well. Right. Actually. Right. Um, so that's, that's why it sits here. It's right here. I use those things together all the time. Nice. Uh, so how, I guess two point question is, um, how would you describe what Strega is? And, and, what did kind of the initial idea start as what you wanted it to be? How far away are those things or how similar? Um, well, you know, like I said, with, with Alessandro, there was a big, big dreaming. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> um, at a certain point, uh, we had to actually come together and, and, and you know, take a step down from the clouds uh, <laughs> into the real world. And, and But at the same time, I had really identified some things about the music that he makes that I wanted to, uh, de- I wanted those, those approaches, those sounds, those timbres to really, uh, inform whatever Strega was. And so before he had come to visit that time when we worked down here in Asheville, which would have been about whenever it was whenever they released the first season of Cobra Kai, because I remember <laughs> he and I, he and I both watched that in the night evenings while we were, uh, so we worked during the day and then he had gotten a hotel room and he'd go back and hang out in his hotel room and I've come back to the house and rest. And we were both watching the, that first season of Cobra Kai. It was on, it was on that, that short lived, uh, format, uh, YouTube red. It was oh, like a, right. It was like a uh-huh. premium version of YouTube. Um, and so, at that point, before he came out, I had made it a point to to kind of identify these elements of his sound and his approach. And I had spent some time uh, breadboarding circuits to um, to show to him that he could play, and then we could see with these. I mean, and they were very they were breadboarded with you know it was very <laughs> the wires uh-huh. kind of <laughs> draped all over a desk like don't bump the desk because <laughs> it will stop working kind of thing so you had uh-huh. to be very careful but i basically sat him in front of it and said hey like let's have you play this and see how far you get with it and um and so that was a part of the process was was i i tried to anticipate the circuits that will be needed to satisfy his his vision and then i 
got him in the room and had him play them and actually give me very immediate real world feedback like this needs to go farther in this way and this this needs to be brought further in this direction um and you know alessandro he's a very very like uh i mean that's the i think probably a, a characteristic of me, of most good artist is uh not very compromising <laughs> so uh, i mean he was very forward about the things that he liked the things that he didn't like mm-hmm. and and approaches that he felt were beneficial versus non-beneficial and was very but that's you know in my opinion i prefer that i like when people give me direct feedback during the development process don't just tell me something is awesome Mm-hmm. You know, tell me exactly what you liked about it, but also tell me anything you didn't like about it. Yeah. And he was a great um, person to work with in that way because there was such a direct and and um, informed conversation about what was happening mm-hmm. on that table full of circuits. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think, you know, with that approach, it, especially if it's a collaboration, everybody's happy. At the end, you know, you can exactly. all be proud of this thing, you know, mm-hmm. as proud as you can be. And um, I think that energy carries out whether it's, you know, whether it can be explained scientifically through just good promotion. But I think there's just something, you know, like that just makes everybody feel better. And I think that translates to who you're trying to get to get to know it or use it. Yes, exactly. Yeah, you have to be ready. It's not exactly how I envisioned it, and it's also not exactly how he envisioned it. Right, it's right. How, yeah, it's how we em- ended up envisioning it. Right. So I, I think it's important to recognize the power of human collaboration, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what was at play. Right. Well, and you guys are both, like, well-versed in collaboration. I mean, he's, he you know makes his own music but also works with one of the most successful bands ever. Um, mm-hmm. and you, you've worked with Tom Herb and, you know, your whole team. So like, it, it kind of seems like a, a, the right, right time, right place thing. Yeah, for sure. I don't, I don't operate in a vacuum. <laughs> <laughs> I am definitely, I am constantly being reminded of anything I do that's good, but also anything I do that's not good. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that is, but I feel like that's, that's, uh, that's a positive thing for sure. Definitely. And I always encourage everybody at Make Noise, if they're using something, whether it's Make Noise or not, actually, um, I encourage them to let me know, like, good things and bad things that they find. Mm-hmm. Definitely. You know I mean, because it's just, you, you'll, if people are sycophantic to a creator, that creator will just become stagnant, really. Um, exactly. So, well, you know what I was thinking would be kind of a fun experiment is I want to see how close I can get. I want to I want to tell you what I think Strega is. And you can sure. say yes or no. Okay. So so far what I've gathered is it's basically five I think main parts. Um one an oscillator, uh, an effect unit like a delay, a really nasty delay, a filter, an envelope and then an audio in circuit that can go through that stuff in different sort of and with with different paths depending on how you're using the capacitive touch or patching um and then maybe some cross modulation of things mm-hmm. how how close am i well i those are those are most of the elements um what makes it maybe different than just patching up some of those elements on your modular synthesizer is uh that there's um 
can't remember the total count. There's there's many feedback paths in okay. Strega, mm-hmm. and there is a, some of them that are. Um, available on the panel. So the decay control and the absorb control are both controlling some feedback paths. Um, but there's some that are just hardwired and some that are um, also, um, well, actually there's uh, also the the um, the two knobs directly above the activation knob could be, cons- those are, those are feedback. They're a different type of feedback, but they're okay. feedback. Um, so the one is the FMN, which that's a normalization of something we call the interference signal into the, um, into the, the core of the oscillator that creates the tones. And then right below that is interference for activation. And so if you have nothing patched to that FM input, it would complete that feedback loop. Okay. And then the activation uh, interference, there is, it's always just available there on the knob. So those are, are, I guess, other paths of feedback that you can control besides just the decay and the absorb. But then there's further, um, there's some that are not on the panel for control. And then there's uh, even a couple that are touch uh, the gateways and bridges as we call them. Okay. Um, the that's maybe the, my favorite um, part. I I when I pulled it out, I was I just you know plugged it in and s- just saw what I could do with no patch mm-hmm. cables or anything. And I actually ended up for a couple days straight not putting a single patch cable into it, just exploring the different ways I can use those bridges and gateways. And I thought I think that is just a, a stroke of genius there, the way this is set up because it's it can be played with no patch cables or with patch cables to itself or you can integrate it into your system it just seems like a real i don't want to use the word swiss army knife but it really seems like multifaceted um and i was just curious yep. how important it, how 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 early on was that kind of the idea those those uh the touch the uh, gateways and bridges, the touch touch points were added very, very late. Oh, really? And, uh, okay. and yeah, yeah, it was. It, they were very late addition to the the whole thing. There was there was so many, there was other versions that had um, touch controllers on it, and they were omitted for the sake of of fitting it into this form factor. And then there was a point where I thought, well, maybe there's something. I knew that Alessandro wanted something of that nature. Uh, he wanted something where you could influence it by touching it mm-hmm. and not just obviously you could always do that with the knobs or buttons and so on but he i think he wanted something more than that and so it just occurred to me one day hey there's some there's some space on the panel and i could maybe create a sort of maze of touch plates almost like playing twister with your fingers <laughs> it's um, exactly what it's like i've been sitting yeah. here playing it and, and pretty soon i'm <laughs> like i can't i can't reach the thing with my thumb that i'm trying to reach <laughs> yeah it's a yeah so it does it definitely is it's that's all by design just to kind of make it a a, a strange experience so yeah that was pretty late pretty late in the development process that those were added. Um, the other thing I think though, getting back to your original question, you know, besides all the, the feedback paths that are, that are inside of this thing is also all of the areas of saturation and overload that are there. Mm-hmm. Um, something that Alessandro talked to me about a lot was his synthy and um, how it 
saturated. And he pointed specifically to the mixer circuit, but um, I was actually able to acquire a Synthi uh, about two years ago, maybe. I think it was about two years ago. Um, a uh, um, You might know this person. He's a, a fellow Logan. Oh, yeah. Um, had mm-hmm. located one for me, and um, which I really appreciated. And I was able to, so I was able to actually study the synthy for a little while. And what I found was that the synthy, it doesn't just saturate in one place. Everywhere, every circuit block, every functional block in the synthy is a potential area for some sort of saturation or clipping or distortion. And, but, but in subtle ways. And so the beautiful thing is that all of those, all of those small, points of saturation and overload and clipping kind of all culminate in like a final sound that feels very uh, um, harmonically rich and not necessarily distorted, just I keep coming back to the word saturated because I feel like that is maybe a better descriptor. I don't know if that actually is a better descriptor, but it's, I think it it's, is. That's something. Yeah, it's like it's overloaded. I it's noticed, like they really yes. just amped it up, you know? That was the first thing I noticed. I was because I've been actually toying around with this idea of kind of making a doom a doom synth album, and I just came up. Well, actually, my friend came up with this a while ago, but I'm going to call it Heldfire and Timstone. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but I was, you know, I've been looking for you know distortions and ways to really de- you know just you know just destroy sound, and that's the first thing I noticed within minutes of plugging this thing in and playing with it. I was just like, this is the sound I've been looking for because I'm also interested in the idea of taking that noise swash that is like fuzz and like sun type of like deep doom metal stuff, but making it almost like a soothing sound. And I feel like you can get close to that with this or or you can do it with this. Absolutely. I agree. And I think that you've also touched on a core element of of some of Alessandro's music. Um, Somebody, I I suppose the uninitiated or perhaps uh, like somebody of of a different era would maybe listen to his music and say it's just, you know, it's too, it's aggressive because it is distorted and noisy. Mm -hmm. But I think for the initiated, for those of us who are uh, acclimated, it actually is not aggressive at all. It is very soothing, and it is mm-hmm. uh, it's a ty- it's a it's it's a, a music that we would put on to relax or to think or mm-hmm. to try to tune out a little bit and um, get in touch with our own thoughts. And, yeah, definitely. And that noise, while you know, in the '60s and even in the '70s, that noise and distortion was associated with aggressive, um, hard angry, energetic music. Today, noise and overload and distortions have become equally associated with with soothing music. Mm-hmm. And I think it's thanks to, in part to artists like Alessandro. And so this device would definitely, I think, suit, uh, help you to achieve that goal for sure. Yeah, yeah. But, do, you know, listener, don't worry. If you want to make some noises that are going to sound aggressive and destructive, that's still at there. The, I was messing with the it last day, night. <laughs> yeah, at the end My, of the day, the <laughs> instrument is just a conduit for the artist. And really is, if yeah. You, if, yes, if you, want to, yeah, if you want to make the most aggro industrial metal, then you could potentially do that with this instrument. For sure. So um, that's up to you. 
Mm -hmm. That is totally up to you. I was messing with it last night. My wife came out of the kitchen and I had it going through the speakers and she just kind of gave me this look like (laughs) one eyebrow up, like, what are you doing? And I was like giving her the devil horns. She's like, okay. Uh, (laughs) So I want to talk about this, like passing the sound through it. I just started messing with that actually this morning. Mm -hmm. I've been been waiting because I wanted to kind of see how far I could deconstruct it myself just by using it and understanding it. Um, So that's kind of new to me. But um, how does how does that signal path work? Because it doesn't seem super straightforward either. Um, but it's you get really interesting results. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it, again, it isn't it isn't completely straightforward. It's not just like plugging the sound into an echo. And where it really starts to take off is when you let the external sound and the internal sounds interact in some way. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, that's in part of that is the. Um, the saturation and the overloads that can happen. But then also there's things that you can do. So for example, you can take the CV out, the one that's at the leftmost corner, lower corner is mm-hmm. a basically an envelope follower for whatever you plug in. Oh, and okay. depending on where you have the strength set, you can get more or less. Um, and you can patch that in to, uh, so one thing I like to do a lot is, it's actually what's going on right here. I can play a little bit for you. Yeah. was a zero coast feeding the uh the strega and i have it set up so that when the zero coast plays the strega is pulled down in amplitude and that's by patching that first cv to the uh activation cvn and then i set the attenuverter full counterclockwise but they're both feeding the echo so everything kind of uh, it all ends up kind of uh getting smeared a little bit mm-hmm. and builds layers and yeah. i think that that that's um, that in, that type of interaction, that the, the saturation, um, it all kind of makes for a different package than just plugging the zero coast into another echo. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't think of one off the top of my head, but uh, there's many out there, as you yeah, know. Yeah, right, right. And, um, <laughs> I think having that voice, the stregatones, really uh, sets it off in a different direction. You end up doing things differently than you usually would because mm-hmm. you have that voice there. You can also do audio rate modulation of, of all the parameters. So if you don't want to audibly hear the stregatones, you can always patch the, the triangle or the, uh, the harmonic pulses to other destinations and use them, especially for example, that, uh, filter input is a great mm-hmm. place to patch those and they can create these uh, overtones that are uh, kind of printed out on top of 
the uh, kind of printed on the echoes as they they uh, decay. Right, right. Okay, I, that's that's that makes sense now. Um, kind of in hindsight, just really quick, I think you just made up your own new genre of music, stregatone. <laughs> stregatone, right? <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing, Tim. Uh, I'm gonna have to run with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That could be the name of your your next album, or or you could just you could make a band called the Stregatones. The Streg. I think I'm just. I think I want to go with more with the genre direction. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna contact Spotify immediately and see if I can have that genre added. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, what what I've really liked about it, and I, I'm just becoming increasingly more aware of, is that you know because at first I was like, is it a synth? Is it a control surface? Is it an effect? And it it does everything. So it's it's a, it's like for instance, you can pass your signal into it. You can external into it, have it be affected by it. But you can pass it out, so you can also split that signal to other things and bring mm-hmm. the strega in and out. I love that you can pass out, you know, the two different waveforms from the oscillator, and then you know the different CV and everything. So it's like it in such like a small package. I feel like it really gives you just so much. Um, it's such a huge addition for such a small fr- footprint. Um, so for anybody who's into like small setups, if this is, if that's your thing, like you could go a long ways with a, like a 110 HP 4U system in this, you know, I mean, I'm having so much fun with my 7U and you know, the CV bus and then this thing, it's just like perfectly paired. Um, I don't know where I was going with that, but it's just kind of this realization I had as I was playing with it more. It's just kind of like, it, it gives me this excitement that I haven't, that I, you know, when you, when you play with modular every day of your life for three years straight, you know, like that excitement, it, it's kind of like love, you know, you're in your, you're in your like romantic period, but then you settle into this nice, like solid, you know, oak relationship, which isn't as, you know, as, uh, whatever that romantic phase of relationship is. But every once in a while, something pops into your case and you kind of get that flutter again, like, Oh my gosh, this is, and you, you know, you can't, you're, you're, it's that, it's that being perplexed by something, but like needing to follow that, that curiosity. Um, but I haven't had something like this. I feel like it makes me feel similarly the way I, I did with the first time I played a Benjamin, just like what the, what is happening here? You know? Um, so yeah, that's my long-winded way of saying thank you. I really like this thing. <laughs> For sure, yeah. Yeah, no, the the idea of, I think, of making something that was compact but could produce a great deal of sound quickly, that's definitely, that was definitely one of Alessandro's goals. Mm-hmm. And I, the, the, when he kind of started talking in that direction about it, I, 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 was, I signed on right away. I thought, yeah, that's great. It's mm-hmm. compact is nice because we're a small company and if we're trying to produce something that's of the level of complexity is the of like you know a moog one or walter quantum that's gonna that's gonna set us back a lot um, definitely well we just it, don't. it's it allows it's available to more people this way too you exactly know? yeah I yeah mean, you give this to you know this is something i see like if i got this as a 16 year old kid you know oh for my christmas God. or something Holy shit. That you would know? be incredible. I, yeah. I can't even imagine. Um, yeah, at 16, I was hunting through the uh, pawn shops for old Echoes, actually. I, <laughs> I, I remember one that I really loved. It was brown. It was by DOD. It was a 19-inch rack effect Echo. Oh, wow. 
And, you know, I was too, I didn't, I have no idea what the technology was in it, but I just remember it sounded really good. Mm-hmm. But I found all kinds of cool stuff. Um, yeah. Oh, Roland Space Echo. I got a Roland Space Echo at a really young age. Very lucky. Just oh, found wow. it at a yard sale. Yeah, found really? it at a yard at a sale. yard sale? Yep. God, I, I, you know, yeah. I used to go to Goodwill for years, like once a week, hoping for one, because I heard so many stories. You know, my buddy Greg has found two roads at Goodwill. Oh, yeah, that's actually, With, I've seen a road at, at a Salvation Army, the one that was uh, in um, the Loop in Chicago, right really? in the north part of the Loop. Yep. Yep. I have, yeah. Once the world opens up, I'm, I'm going back because I want a Rhodes. Um, and the only way I could justify it to my wife of getting it now, because she's like, she's fully supportive once we have a house. But if I find one at the Goodwill for like super cheap, I'll be like, I had to. I had no choice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, a Rhodes is a beautiful thing. Actually, our production manager, John, just got a Rhodes. Um, it was actually a little bit of a sad story. We had a customer who had gotten a system from us a while ago and he fell ill and um, he ended up, uh, It's. I mean, I'm not gonna get into it. I don't know that that would be right, but it, long story short is that we we brought his system, um, we, we just checked it out. He wanted to, he, had to, he ended up having to sell his system. Mm-hmm. And so we did a full checkup on it so that you could sell it to the person as like being in good condition. Uh-huh. And, um, so he used to say thanks. He brought us like cupcakes and stuff. But then um, he also ended up, he he was also selling a Rhodes for a really good price. And so John picked it up and it was, so it was sitting at the shop for a few days and, and wow, I forgot how um, heavy those keys on a Rhodes are. <laughs> mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know when the last time you played one was, but I felt like, I felt weak trying to <laughs> just, just to play a couple of chords. I mean, it's. And it may be because this one needed service. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I really, I, it really made me appreciate the people who played those on stage. Um, I mean, you would, you would need some, you would really need some muscle to yeah. get through a 45-minute set on a Rhodes. I feel like that also adds to the way that you interact with it. You're not playing it the way you'd play a piano. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I've been playing... Uh, you know, synthesizer style keyboards. So when I came to that thing, I, I, I've played a Rhodes in the past. It's just been mm-hmm. a while. And I thought, wow, uh-huh. like you, you really, <laughs> if you want this thing to go, you really have to hammer it. Yeah. I actually haven't, I have, you know, only just plinked around on them. The only, like, I just listen to them and then I've got, I've got a Korg wave state that, you know, it gets close enough to have fun playing it and imagine I'm playing mm-hmm. a Rhodes. But, um, Actually, that Yamaha C- CP Reface, have you, have you seen those? They're like, I, I know what you're talking about. I've never played one, though. The Rhodes sound on that and the Wurlitzer sound on it are remarkable for yeah, this yeah. tiny little keyboard. Um, wow, that was a, that was a heck of a, a diversion there. I'm curious where the name Strega came from because I had to look it up and it means witch, right, in Italian? Yeah, it's, well, yeah, and it's, if, you, if you really get into it, I think it's a little bit different than the way Americans understand the word witch. Mm-hmm. Um, from what I understand, it's maybe a little bit closer to, um, and again, I, I'm, I'm sure there's, uh, well, hopefully there's some Italians um, listening in and maybe they could, they could comment. Um, I, from the way Alessandro described it to me is it's almost more like a gypsy, okay. um, but uh, it does translate to to which but it's more like um it's like magic you know they 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 believe in magic and they they create these kind of gorgeous um charm bracelets 
that are, I mean, you really kind of have to see them to, I, I couldn't really do it justice. They're, yeah. they're very ornate and they're, they're I, I imagine heavy because they're, they're, they're all like metal and like wood charms that hang off of these things. Um, and yeah, I think it's, it's a purely an Italian thing. And um, Alessandro could probably explain it better. He had come in originally with this idea for uh, a three-part collaboration and one of the parts was Strega and uh, I kind of ran with that and just did the Strega part for now and um, I don't even know that it was exactly what he was imagining but it, you know, like I said this whole thing is a process of collaboration so mm -hmm. it's also not exactly how I imagined it so right. it's, it's not something that either of us understood would come out of our collaboration until it was finished and it had come out of our collaboration um, but yeah, it, it's, it's, a, it's the name, Alessandro came up with that name. He just came into the shop one day while we were, uh, you know, the, a few years ago when we were, he was in Asheville working on it with us. And he says, uh, I think I have a name. Uh, <laughs> we could call it Estrega. <laughs> I said, that sounds amazing, Alessandro. Yeah. I, I like that name. <laughs> well, I'm glad you named it that because I've been wondering what I was going to do. I wanted to... Um I don't know if you saw it, like a while ago, I made a little short film for the Ensemble Oscillator for 4MS. No, I, is it on YouTube or something? Yeah. So I noticed that when that came out, there were so many demos of it and so many people doing these awesome demos. And they had sent me one. And I thought, well, I'll demo it on the episode for sure. But my strength doesn't lie in YouTube demos because at the time I wasn't really using my YouTube a whole lot, didn't have a lot of mm -hmm. followers. My strength was definitely with the episode. And I've always wanted, I've always fancied this idea of being a filmmaker. So I thought, well, why don't I just make like this stupid little movie about it? And so I mm -hmm. made this short film where it's kind of this device that helps me find things. And it's just like, it's super goofy and like surreal and weird. <laughs> and so that I was thinking, weird. I gotta check can, that out. What can I do with, with Strega? And so I looked it up and it, and it meant witch. And uh, so yeah, I'm 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 in the process of scoring the film that I just finished editing last night. Um, I shot it over the last two days with my friend Krista, who is very witchy. She has a lot of witchy stuff, and that's all I'm going to tell you. But be prepared <laughs> for a very weird and kind of silly, uh, quote unquote, demo video coming your way. <laughs> cool. I, I look forward to it. Yeah, the, that world is deep. That world is deep. I, mm -hmm. I would not. I would not profess to know much about it i did some research into it because i thought if we're gonna call it this i need to know at least a little bit about it mm -hmm. but um i also know that i have to limit things sometimes <laughs> save <laughs> space in my head to complete the task at hand and <laughs> and getting into the world of the straga it was um i mean i feel like that's something that people devote their whole lives to oh yeah so, yeah um it seems to and be maybe, pretty popular yeah. too with movies like The Witch and um, what is the uh, uh, Midsummer. It seems very. It seems for the last few years, it seems to be very on the on the forefront of of horror movies. And I feel like some of the better horror movies I've seen in a long time. So it it makes sense for the the time. I think. Mm. Yeah, so, and um, well, that kind of led me into a path of of learning a little bit about alchemy as well, and. Um, I didn't really understand this until I did a little bit of research, but uh, apparently alchemists were almost seen as male witches back in the day, mm -hmm. um, or at least as I read. Um, 
And so that kind of led me down the path. I, I actually was looking into alchemy mostly just because I thought that some of the symbols that they use were really interesting. Mm -hmm. And I was just looking for inspiration. And um, I've previously, I've looked at a lot of different kinds of, uh, I've looked at a lot of hieroglyphs and um, engineering symbols, scientific symbols. There's all kinds of beautiful things that where you can express a lot with a very simple mm -hmm. uh, drawing. And so the, the alchemists actually have a lot of amazing symbols. Actually, stregas do as well. Yeah, I was um, going to say, it translates onto stregas. Well, it really translates onto all of your guys' stuff. Um, I really love your, your outline and kind of like, it works intuitively with my brain, honestly. Like, especially like maths was the first one that I kind of deciphered. And I was like, oh, this actually makes perfect sense. Like, it shows you what to do on the panel, which I, I think is really cool. Um, but yeah, the stregas art looks great. Yes, yeah. So those a lot of the symbols they're they're not any actual. I mean, I guess they're real world symbols, as in they're make noise strega symbols, but uh -huh. they're not. They're uh, none of them actually mean anything outside of the make noise strega instrument. But they were they're informed uh, in some ways, I guess, by alchemy and some of the symbols that stregas actually would use. Um, so there's they just have a lot of really beautiful. Uh, they're such simple little drawings and they, but they can mean such big things. And mm -hmm. when you really start looking at like a list of them and you start thinking about like, wow, someone just sat down and decided they, they wanted to make us something that symbolized night, uh, yeah. <laughs> nighttime, like nighttime is a pretty big concept, you know, yeah. like uh, you don't just, I mean, night is, it's, it's like half of our lives uh -huh. and this, you know, somebody, came up with a symbol for it and not only that but it was it was adopted by many people they thought well yeah that's the symbol for night or mm -hmm. this is the symbol for heat this is a symbol for cold i mean these are such like basic things that are so important to our lives and you have mm -hmm. to be able to distill them into some drawing that's maybe four or five lines it's kind uh -huh. of incredible so on, on, on Strega, it looks like there's like a, a handful of different <clears throat> characters that are kind of slightly similar and kind of um, conglomerations of them. Like what do, do those, like what do they mean to you? I noticed that it looks like one of them has the shape of the envelopes kind of going through it or am I reading too, too much into it now? No, that is, I, you're, you're, you're looking at the... Um the touch bridge for the uh, for the what, what we call the agitator, which is uh, a kind of looping function generator, mm -hmm. and it's it's very that that particular circuit is another one that's somewhat informed by the synthy. Um, okay. So when we were developing the Strega, um, you know, of course, I had a lot of envelopes sitting around. You know, I had of <laughs> course the maths envelope, which is very sharp and very plucky, and that type of envelope just didn't really, it didn't seem to work well with the Strega circuits to me. Mm -hmm. And so I thought I need to develop a new envelope, a new function generator, and it needs to be a little bit lumpier. It needs to be a little less sharp. And the, the Synthy trapezoid generator is a hundred percent that it's, uh -huh. it's, it's such a, um, for lack of a better word, almost like a, a dull function generator okay. uh, as compared to something like when you get into like the Serge systems and, and the Buchla systems um, or, you know, the Moog envelopes and the Minimoog 
all very sharp and punchy. The synthy envelope is not sharp and not punchy at all. Uh-huh. It's, 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 a, it's, it's almost like the difference between um, like a knife and a fist, you know, the, 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 uh, the Moog envelope's like a knife and the, the synthy envelope's like a fist. And uh-huh. it's just so like, it's just clunky. And so I that can envelope, see that in yeah. the, 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 the kind of the little pictographs of the yeah, envelope. Exactly, the, yeah, exactly, I was wondering and about so, that because they don't look typical. No, yeah, there's quite a different envelope circuit than, than some of the others that we have in our instruments. And um, that, what you're pointing to, is the touch, um, the touch bridge for the, uh, the agitator. So that's, with that, you can momentarily, using your hands, you can uh, link that to some of the touch gateways. So, for example, the, mm-hmm. the time control, the filter um, activation... Um, so the, anything that is is uh, around touch plate is a uh, a touch bridge, and anything that's a square is a gateway. So the bridge is is where you start, and that's your source essentially. And the 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 square the um, gateway is where you land, and that's how you uh, make that momentary connection. Mm-hmm. And what's what I like about it is you put your your thumb on on one of them. Let's just use the one in question here. Then you can put every finger that you can twist her into mm-hmm. a square and just distribute that same signal to all those different things. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really, really fun to play with. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's a fun way to inject like momentary changes. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes if I, I actually have my Strega set up on a, on an aux send um, that I, I can patch an aux send into at any time when I'm, when I'm mixing a piece of music and, um, you know, sometimes you're, you get like a sound going that you like. Um, but I've always found what makes music really interesting is if you subtly vary things. And so I'll start varying echo time or something like that. But then sometimes I'll, I'll do a touch gateway and I'll, uh, make a momentary modulation and can make these beautiful little, uh, almost like, um, almost like like it can make the sound wiggle and 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 mm-hmm. kind of come to life in a way that you maybe wouldn't want to do that the whole time but for you know moments it can be really nice i was using it the other day as i was like um i was actually kind of making like a but out of just noise so it was like a it was like a drum beat but there was no drum but but by just like switching which receiver I was touching with that same gate out. It was, it was really cool. Or the envelope out. It was really, really fun. And that right there, just, I was like, okay, this thing, this thing's special. That was like the moment that I was like, okay, this is, this is going to be a lot of fun. Um, I thought I had one more question revolving around all that, but, um, I feel like I'm, I'm doing the thing that I just said a few minutes ago you shouldn't do to creators. I feel like I'm being sycophantic, but it's not. It's just, you guys, it's a very, very fun. And, and, and when you look at it, I think this is the case with a lot of your stuff. You look at it with the hieroglyphs and stuff. It's like, what is going on? <laughs> but within like 30 minutes, I had already kind of figured, okay, this does this and this does that. And after a few days, I, I feel much more comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yet for still sure, feel like I sure. have a lot to learn. And I'm sure we'll get a lot of pushback from, from some customers about, um, you know, needing more detail about what exactly everything is. And, and um, I don't think this is made it, for those kind of people. I mean, it, you, I don't want yeah, to say it's I exclusive, think, but uh, I just... It's not exclusive. Any, you know, it's, it's just more you have to be willing to, you have to be willing to suspend your usual level of control. Mm-hmm. 
We just yeah. live in a time where everybody just is, wants to know everything and, and they can, I mean, for yeah. the most part. I mean, I can know how to fix my dryer if I take right, you know, right. 10 minutes and search YouTube <laughs> yeah. and, you know, figure out, hey, my dryer is not getting hot anymore. I'll just type that into YouTube. And next thing you know, I've got a full, you know, 20 Ex- different videos showing me how to do it. Exactly. So, and you, yeah. You know what, ma- I think you just kind of like made me figure out what is so appealing to it to me personally. And it's like, I'm in this world of modular and I'm getting sent all, you know, I get sent modules and I'm talking about modules all the time. Um, and w- because you, like you said, every, everything's like well explained, like to have something that is mysterious and like not walk me through it. You know, not, you know, I'm not having it. Nobody's holding my hand through this thing. I have to kind of jump into this cyclone and learn how to swim in it or something. And that to me is like, that's the most exciting part about music in general. You know, so yeah, for sure. Each, each, each instrument, you know, I think especially for electronic musicians, especially the electronic musician who uh, works solo, Mm -hmm. um, which I'm, you know, I'm assuming is maybe more of them at this point for sure um but it can't each instrument that you bring into your your studio space or your music space is potentially a new collaborator and you have to learn how to work with it and strega is maybe um it's maybe that collaborator that is going to be a little more mysterious to you and maybe a little harder to to work with initially at least but i do think there there'll be some great reward and 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 giving it a chance to to uh, given a chance to be Strega, mm-hmm. and I would advise maybe maybe you're out there listening to this and you're one of those people that wants everything kind of laid out and you don't like this. You, maybe you're kind of put off by everything we're talking. I'm uh, talking about. I'm just imploring you to just give it a shot. Give that approach a shot. Shake things up a little bit. You might find, you know, there because it's not it's not pure chaos. You know, you you start learning how to. I mean, that's modular itself is being able to kind of wrangle some chaos into a, a shape that's close to what you had in your head or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, we're, we are already over an hour. This is f- like flown by. I want to make sure that, um, we get to cover everything that you wanted to talk about. I just want to really quick give a shout out to mod bang glow in the dark patch cables. The only patch cables that I currently have in my uh, studio. I absolutely love them. They've even traveled with me to uh, to Wyoming and all my outdoor adventures, and not a single one of them has stopped working. So not only are they uh, beautiful and glow in the dark, which is the coolest part, um, they're durable. They have a great color selection. The Sublime, it's like this really nice lime green. There's a cobalt blue. There's a sour apple green. Well, it's not a sour apple. It's just apple green. I can't say apple green without saying sour apple. Anyways, blood orange, primrose. Oh, they have angled cables. They're called angle bangers. They have 3.5 millimeter to quarter inch cables. They have just straight up quarter inch cables. I mean, they have everything that you need over at modbang.com, M-O-D-B-A-N-G.com. Um, just want to give one more quick shout out to the animals at night. I really love this new EP, Future Colors, and uh, this is the title track off of that EP that you're listening to right now. And one more time, thank you to everybody who supports me on Patreon. If you would like to help keep the LEDs blinking over here at Podular Modcast, please visit patreon.com forward slash Modcast. Be the change you want to see in the world. 
by supporting a chubby guy with a beard in Seattle make a podcast about modular synthesis. All right, let's let's get back into it. One thing that uh, people like to do so far is they'll take the um, the modular level output and patch that into the strength into the external input and turn strength oh. up. And so that's kind of a that's a pretty raw it's a pretty raw feedback loop. But uh-huh, uh, yeah. I definitely <laughs> heard people create some great stuff with that. Um, I guess if I could, you know, I know we got to wrap it up here. So I guess if I could talk about anything else, it would just be, um, you know, one of the things that that Alessandro has mentioned multiple times is that it's almost like the the Strega is almost it's almost like taking your sound and dropping it into the bottom of the ocean for for uh, many years and just <laughs> letting the water kind of erode it. And and so I, I think that I understand what he's saying. Um, I think that's kind of a culmination of all that overloading and saturation, but then also just the way that um, when you have an echo verb, when you have a circuit that's feeding back, um, those sounds keep kind of layering on top of each other and that mm-hmm. kind of further increases that saturation and that that uh, clipping and, and kind of shaving off of the edges. Um, so even with just a little bit of sound, you can achieve that. And I think that that is maybe something that I would say is special about the Strega. Well, that's an interesting way to put it, the dropping into the ocean and actually resonating with that because I have this, this track loaded into a sampler that I made with like a guitar and it's just like, I liked it, but it seems, it seemed like not really that usable, but I thought if I could mess it up somehow, it would be cool. And I ran it through Strega this morning and I was like, this is exactly what that song needed. And that's just like, yeah, it sounds like it was dropped into the ocean and just, you know, I'm picturing like this, like old sea mine that's just like kind of crusted over or something, you know? (laughs) Sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I think that's exactly, that's a great, a great way to, to put it. So I've, I've kind of kept that description in my head for when people ask me how it sounds, just because I think it's a pretty good it's a, it's a pretty good, give someone an idea of what they're getting into. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I would hate for someone to get this thinking that they're going to get pristine audio because they're not, <laughs> and, uh, which, you know, but I feel like there's a place for that today. And, and there's just, there's now more than ever, you know, you mentioned getting this when you, you were 16. I'm thinking back to when I was 16, um, getting pristine audio was a lot harder, mm-hmm. uh, back then. So maybe I wouldn't have appreciated this Strega at that, that point. No, I'd like to, I like to think that I would have, but it was just a different time. And now getting pristine audio is it's, it's well within the possibility of, of most uh, musicians who have some sort of recording, um, small recording setup in their, their home Mm. or their friend's house or wherever they make music. So this is the antithesis to that. Yeah. Well, it kind of feels timely to me as well. And I don't know what this is, but I've noticed that kind of since Trump's got voted out and we got news that there's a vaccine, um, I've even started some antidepressants personally doing things to change my own, you know, like just I'm getting feel like I'm getting better. Oddly enough, I'm listening to like a lot of lightning bolt and like noisy <laughs> music and I'm I've got this like real desire and I'm wondering if it's like almost like I'm relief purging, like I'm relief purging the last 4 years and I feel like this is the perfect instrument for that. So I'm really excited. <laughs> Yeah, wow, lightning bolt. I haven't thought about them in a while. I've seen them play a few times. And, My old uh, band were, opened and, up for them before I knew who they were in Kalamazoo, and then I saw them play, and I was like, what the hell did I just see? 
Well, was... okay. So let me ask you this. So I was in a band and they, they played before us as well. And it was this, it was a very strange experience because we were up on stage and I think we were, we, I think it was our last song. And I noticed this, these, these two people had set up a drum set and a big bass amp kind of in the middle of where the audience was. <laughs> and I was about to, uh, I was about to, we were, you know, we were kind of finishing the song up and we literally hit like the last note of the song and, and, and I walked back to turn my amp off. And before I could even turn my amp off, they launched into their set. <laughs> they were set up in the middle of the audience off uh-huh. the stage. It was, it, was in, it was crazy. The singer was wearing a helmet and the helmet had like uh, a microphone one of those Janet it. Jackson style mics built into <laughs> it so that he could he wouldn't have to be in front of a mic stand or anything. Yeah, yeah. I, that, I tell yeah, you same, what. Same thing happened to us. Not at the, <laughs> yeah. They didn't start right at the last moment, but yeah, they, start, they were set up on the floor in front of us. It was kind of funny. It was crazy. I tell you, there's no way anyone left that show remembering the band that I played in because they obliterated oh, everything that had happened up to here. that point. Absolutely. Um, we were like crazy. this like, like acoustic folk kind of wanting to be rain dogs era, Tom Waits. Um, and then lightning bolt after that. It was just kind of like, yeah, no one remembered what we did. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. They would, yeah, they definitely would, they could, they could obliterate probably most, most memories I would say when it yeah. comes to a rock and roll show. Loudest, loudest show I've ever seen. And it was in a, like a little tiny venue with two people playing. Um, I think it was newest, that guy's amp. What? You had that. Yeah. Like, it was almost, you know, another band that did that. Uh, they didn't do it like that, but they had that same kind of sound was a Godhead silo. I don't oh, know if I you remember them. them. Oh, you might want to check them it. out. It, they were crazy. They were a duo as well. Drums and bass. And the guy had, I mean, he would, it's almost like while they were on tour, he would just go into pawn shops and buy any big bass amp he could find <laughs> and just keep adding it to his rig. As, as, like, as the tour went on, his rig would just get bigger and bigger. And the drummer would play so hard that he would, he would break sticks so much that he would have this collection of broken sticks that he would check in between songs to find which ones were long enough or oh my the gosh. longest that he could continue to set with. <laughs> what were they called? Godhead Silo. Okay, I'm looking that up. Godhead. You should silo. if you like Lightning Bolt, you might and you might get into it. And they are definitely they are a raucous bit of music. It's just two people, just the bass and the drums. But I tell you, and he had it was this would have been like maybe early mid '90s, and he was one of the first people I saw that had one of those uh, 16 second delays. Mm-hmm. Um, it's long before it was reissued or anything. I mean, it's something that we had never, I had never seen it before, and he would. He would have this, these, he would have, I don't know how he was getting sounds into it, but he would have these like loops of like dogs barking and stuff that would play between the songs while they were changing <laughs> strings and stuff. It was real crazy. Oh, that <laughs> very impressive, like a but you know, yeah. very crazy too. <laughs> um, well, yeah, if you haven't listened to them in a while, you should check out their, their uh, latest album, uh, Sonic Citadel. Cause okay. that's like, they tried to like use the studio as an instrument for the first time. So like Whoa. overlapping and like, kind of like mixing drums in weird ways. It's like, it's a real, it's a real cool ex- the experience in headphones. So I'll definitely check that out. I mean, I, like I said, I, I'm a fan. I just hadn't thought about them in a long time. There's, it's hard to keep up with all that. There's so much it's good music so to much. listen to, but I know. Uh, yeah, I would definitely check that out. That's a very strange idea to me. Uh, lightning bolt. 
using yeah. the studio as an instrument. <laughs> yeah, and, it's yeah, a it's, crazy it's, thought. it's bigger and heavier. It's somehow their heaviest thing. And my wow. that first song, anyways, is like one of the heaviest things I've ever heard in my life. So that's cool. Well, thank you so much um, for joining me, man. This has been so much yeah. fun. Um, I've had so much fun getting to know this and uh, getting to talk to you about it. Um, is there any last thing that you want to say to the modular world? I guess when does it come yeah. out? Oh yeah, sure. So yeah, there, it's going to be five ninety nine, and it comes out. Um, let's see, we already have them stocked, but we just are, we're building them right now. So I would guess probably middle of February, end of February. Okay. Well, thanks for coming back on the show. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it was it's, it was good talking to you, and I, I look forward to seeing seeing the video. It's, it's it should be exciting. <laughs> All right, that's our chat with Tony, but the the episode is not over. I'm going to get into uh, a cool little demo with Strega, so stick around for that. Once again, thank you to uh, all of our sponsors, Patchwork Seattle, P-A-T-C-H-W-E-R-K-S dot com for all your synthesizer needs. Um, Needham Woodworks, the finest Eurorack cases in the land. Um, Don't forget to go support the uh, Sacrament Modular crowdfunding operation to get the Cursible going. Um, Modbang, my favorite cables. You can't go wrong with glow-in-the-dark cables, especially ones with such cool color options. After later audio, check out that Benjolin. So much fun. And uh, check out Hugo's mixing operation. Link in the bio. You know you need your album mixed. Okay, let's get down to brass tacks with Strega. Okay, so here is that patch from earlier. Um, but now I'm going to run it through Strega. Strega has a lot of uses, I've found. Um, you can use it as a standalone device. Uh, you can use it in um, with all your other modular stuff. You can use you know, its, its CV and everything to control other things. Uh, but what I really, really like to do, I have found lately, is to um, just run some audio into it and then start um, messing with uh, the different parameters. So here I've got like the blend is halfway up. So let's turn it down. Here's the patch. You can hear the oscillator rumbling away there. I can turn that off with the activation. I'll just leave that off actually because I'm not going to use the oscillator quite yet. So there I'm, I'm half blending it with, uh, with the Strega and how the Strega is uh, set up. I am going to, uh, I took this patch and ran it into Morphogene and then um, kind of messed with it a little bit. So I'm going to bring that up in the mix uh, just because I think it sounds really cool. And since Strega is make noise, I figured why not use some other make noise with this patch. And I love the Morphogene. Okay. A little more to chew on there too uh, in the audio range. So I'm just going to start messing around with, with Strega. I'm going to use some of the touch points. I'm going to mess with some of the knobs um, before I patch anything, just to give you an idea. Um, I'm not going to get really technical, to be honest, because the manual doesn't get really technical, and it doesn't seem like that is the idea behind Strega. So I don't really want to get into... I have figured some stuff out, um, and that's the good news if you're somebody who does want to kind of like get into the nitty-gritty of like, what is what does this button do? What is What does this touch plate do? Like, spend some time with it, and, and everything starts falling into place. So, um, yeah, let's mess around with it. So I'm doing some touch plate stuff. 
right now, messing with the delay time. Let's try uh, the same gateway, but a different uh, bridge. Both messing with the delay. But at this point, I haven't quite figured out what the two different um, bridges do. But they definitely do something different. Let's mess with the filter a little bit with that same gateway. And like we were uh, talking about in Tony's episode, um, the touch plates are, it's, you know, like patch cables are made to, um, you know, create a connection that's a little bit more, you know, permanent. These are a lot more fun just to mess around with. Um, like, it's fun to get, uh, you know, kind of make percussive elements with them. So yeah, there are, um, that's some touch plate stuff. Uh, let's, let's mess with this, this uh, echo knob manually because it's just a lot of fun. I like turning it up really high. Let's get the decay about at noon or midnight. Now let's bring this down. This is my favorite thing about Strega. Let's turn this blend all the way up. This sound, this kind of like... Now I'm messing with the filter here. Um, I just think this this karaoke karaoke machine delay circuit they have in here is just so much fun. The way they have it all wired up in there. Um, Anyways, let's get back into something a little bit closer to what we've started with. Now I'm going to um, start patching it to itself. What I've noticed, what I really, really like about it um, is this lower left CV output is an envelope follower for the, uh, the audio that goes in. And um, that is a whole lot of fun to use. So, um, and that way you can start syncing up um, what Strega is doing to the actual incoming signal. So what I like to do is start with, um, I like to put it into this absorb. Let me turn this absorb knob down so you can hear. So I don't know exactly what the absorb knob is doing, but it feels like it's saturating something. It's giving it some like overdrive. So let's put the, um, let's put the uh, envelope follower into that. So you're already pretty big difference. Um, then also what I like to do is this, this lower right hand section is kind of like a function generator um, envelope thing. I think they call it the agitator, which is very, very accurate. Um, so I like to put the envelope follower into the, um, the CVN for that. So you'll see, it, and then if you set it on kind of a low speed, but just depending on the audio coming into it, it creates some really, really fun. Uh, and that's, that is normal to the uh, filter on the lower right-hand side. So let me turn the attenuator down on the filter. So now that agitator isn't controlling the filter, so we can, we can mess with that manually if we want. But I personally like to uh, set the, the filter um, not quite all the way down, but less than halfway up, and then... Um, Get that, get that attenuator up so the filter is getting controlled by the uh, envelope follower as well. 
well, not the envelope follower, the um, the the agitator, which is being uh, controlled by the envelope follower. And then the final thing that I like to do, uh, this is kind of like what I've, I mean, I've only had it a few days, but this has kind of been like my go-to um, patching and, and my, my starting point to jump off from is I like to take the out from this agitator, there's a CV out from it, um, and put it into the blend. And then turning that blend down a little bit. Let's mess with the uh, shape. Let's get it a little bit more of an abrupt shape because you can get like a cool tremolo type thing going. And now let's mess uh, with some of these touch plates again. And like we were saying in Tony's episode, it's re it's really like a game of twister with your hands. So let's see, let's uh, let's let's get let's get really twistery with it. Let's see if I can do this. So you get a couple different um, gateways, go into a couple different bridges, and then mess with knobs manually. And yeah, this was uh, this was kind of a, an experiment that I wanted. I wanted to see if I could kind of stay in the realm of pretty with Strega because it's really easy. Let's just before I stop, before I stop this demo, let's just let's just unpatch everything and show you kind of just like the character. I'm sure you've seen all the videos by now, but just kind of the character of Strega. Oh, I forgot to add the oscillator into that patch. So yeah, <laughs> as you can see, it's just like a, it makes so many cool, just destructed noises. Um, anyways, I, I, I've already gone long on this demo. I just realized that uh, it's so much fun to play. In fact, on some of the performances that are coming up this weekend that I use on it, you can see I start fading out and I'm still twiddling knobs on Strega because... Uh, you know, I just kept playing with it. Um, but I was like, well, I have to end this at some point. Um, yeah, and, and by the way, this, this demo is, uh, it, it's on YouTube, so you can actually see a video. I said that weird. It's on YouTube, you can see this video, um, what I've been doing with Strega, and um, I'm gonna have quite a few more videos um, with it, including a, an absurd short horror film. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Once again, thank you, Tony, for coming on to the show, and thank you all for coming back to Podular Modcast. It means a lot to me uh, how supportive you all are. Um, let's uh, let's just kind of vamp on this this patch, and uh, until next week. <laughs>